So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. As always, I am your less attractive co-host, Andrew Jordan. <laughs> Stop saying that. Here with my beautiful eight and like three-quarter month mm-hmm. pregnant wife. I guess um, when this releases, we will have no, had the baby. When, yeah, this will be out in January. We will have had a baby. Yeah. For a good month and a half. Yeah. So how are you doing, hon? Yay. Well, I don't know. And if I'm imagining I'm in January, I don't know how I'm Well, doing. how are you doing right now? I'm obviously asking you to, <laughs> to project how you're going to be feeling in January. I'm good. I'm just tired. Okay. <laughs> no, I get that. We made the mistake of deciding to like, take a shower. Like each of us, like I, I went to go grab something and Emily took a shower and then I got back. Then I took a, sh- then I took a shower and that just like we signals like podcast, bedtime. And so now we're tired. Yeah. And we sat down like, Oh my gosh, like I could fall asleep <laughs> right now. So. We're going to have some energy so we can talk with our guest, Mary. Magical energy. I'm pulling out. Yeah. So, uh, Emily's Mary- allowed to have no energy, though. She doesn't need to yeah. pull on. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, uh, Hunt, you and Marin are good friends. Why don't you introduce her? Yeah. So, this is my friend, Marin. You can't see her, but I can. Um, but we just connected over Instagram and it's been fun getting to know each other and, um, connect through that. Um, we had Marin and Aubrey on from the Mamahood podcast, like the first month or two, I want to say when we had the, when we started the podcast, it was way back in the beginning. So we'll leak them leak. We will link up that episode in the show notes. If you want to go back and hear about gentle and um, I think it was gentle parenting. I think it was gentle and mindful parenting. Or yeah. Gentle? gentle and mindful parenting. Really good one. Marin's really good at that. And she's an awesome example of that to me. Um, she's a great writer. I love to read her Instagram posts because they're all so like well-written. I'm like, wow, how did you so write nice. this? <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I, I just love her. So welcome Marin. Well, thank you. I love you too. <laughs> and I <laughs> I love I I'm a big fan of you guys and what you do with your podcast and I'm honored that we were there right at the start. I didn't realize or I guess Yeah, I it was right at the beginning, yeah. yeah. You guys have done such great things and I just I don't know. I look forward to your episodes. So I'm well, honored thanks. that you wanted to have me on again. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Uh, you just had your fourth baby, correct? Yeah. Yep. So you are, you are just you guys. Mm-hmm. a step ahead of us. Just a couple months ahead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're all crazy people that have. Yeah. <laughs> so this crazy about us. is, oh, sorry. <laughs> this is unrelated to our topic, but how is it with four? Cause I'm a little nervous. Um, I honestly think it feels similar to my transition to three. Okay. Like the same amount of hard, mm-hmm. um, where, I remember with three, I had several overwhelming moments where I was like, what the heck did I just get myself into? I'm totally drowning. I, How do I get my kids in and out of the car? This is never going to work. And um, I'm having those same feelings, but I'm remembering that eventually with three, 
it stopped and I got used to it. And so I'm hoping that happens with this as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like, like the, the newborn phase, especially just because the newborn you know, can't do anything mm-hmm. right like at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found with when we made the transition to three, that in some ways it was easier than just the one because Ammon, who's our third kind of like, became part of the herd and like part right. of the pack and yep. like we didn't have to entertain him as much as we had to entertain Hiram who's our oldest right um yeah it's so like with Hiram like we had to be everything for him but then with Ammon he kind by of the just time, like plugged into the pack yeah by the time he was crawling around it was just that he was playing with You're them like, and following oh, hey, them around here. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I thoroughly stand by that the transition to your first baby is the hardest because if that's the transition into parenthood and you get so tired. But I feel like when you throw the others in it's just like you're already tired, you're already busy, you're already <laughs> like I don't know, it is kind of throwing another puppy into the pack, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. like that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Maren, can you tell us a little bit more about you, your family, you, how, maybe how you and your husband met or something, something about you? Sure. Yeah. We, um, we have, like you guys said, four kids ages five and under. So we had kids really fast. We got pregnant with our first three months into our marriage. So we did this whole family thing really quick, which, um, we're grateful for because we're going to talk a little bit about my disease. And if we hadn't done it that fast, it wouldn't have worked. And so we're, that was a huge following inspiration to have our family quick. And it's been a really fun ride. My husband and I met when we were 16, we were just best friends and not high school sweethearts, Mm -hmm. um, just best friends. And, um, we both went on missions and just rode each other the whole time as friends. And when we both got home, he was just like, I'm super interested in you. Would you go out with me? And I felt the same way. And it just, it, I mean, we were married six months later. So um, that's us. We're just best friends. We make each other laugh constantly. We're just basically like two grown up kids. We love <laughs> Disneyland and traveling and just anything fun and spontaneous. And um, yeah, we, we, that's us. We just bought a home in um, Bountiful, Utah. And we really love it up here. Lots of green mountains, trees. That's some of our favorite stuff. So, yeah. Um, I, like you mentioned, I run the Mamahood, which is a community for moms. And we just, we try and help moms because <laughs> we're all having yeah. a really hard time. Sometimes <laughs> we need that support. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely. Yeah. It's awesome. I actually, and I think I talked about this on our first episode. I can't remember if I talked about this on our podcast or if it was on your podcast because we we did did like like a a little swap yeah Um, but i met dallin in the mtc it's like in the the missionary training center uh, because he went to ukraine Ukraine, Ukraine. Uh right and which mission was he in kiev he was in the kiev mission right Mm -hmm. so uh in the um, in the missionary training center. There, you in, the, in the missionary training center it's kind of broken up by language groups mm-hmm. for the most part mm-hmm. and so all of the russian elders were on like one floor of um of our our not our dorm building but i guess for lack of a better yeah, word yeah. better explanation our, our dorm and 
Dallin or Elder Jubay, as I knew him, was <laughs> like the older missionaries, a group of older missionaries. So like he was like, cool like six weeks ahead of us. I was like, wow, <laughs> he's just, I came in super green. I'm like, wow, Elder Jubay, just he, he really knows his stuff. He's going to be, he probably speaks Russian completely fluently. And then six weeks later, I was in his shoes. I'm like, oh, you know what? Like, I still know nothing. <laughs> I still know nothing. But Elder Jubay, um, he was, like he came into my uh, my room one night and said, "Hey, I'm just going around getting to know people, and I just want to talk to people. Like, can I shine your shoes? Like, what? He's like, yeah, can I just shine Aww. your shoes? I'm like, okay, That's so sweet. So I sit down and he just like asked me about my family and like sh- while he shined my shoes. So that was my 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 one exposure to Dylan. Good man. Yeah, he's That's a great fun. guy. He's a great guy. And I saw after that, I tried like I'm gonna try and like be genuine and serve people because some people like do the whole service thing but it's like i'm mad at you and i'm (laughs) doing the dishes because i'm mad (laughs) but i'm trying to do the right thing and with Dallin, i felt like really sincere like i'm just gonna try and try and help you out and get to know you a little bit that's funny i did not know that story i love that yeah it's a great guy very service oriented that's really fun that you guys were in mtc together and that yep. was back when you had to be there for 12 weeks, right? No, nine weeks. Oh, nine weeks. Okay. Yeah, we're there just nine weeks, luckily. So, like, all of yeah. the non-Latin-based languages, I think pretty much if you have to learn a, a second or, like, another alphabet, mm-hmm. you used to have to be there for 12 weeks. And, and they then, moved it to nine. And then they moved to nine. And then if you, if you had to speak, if you had to learn another language, that used your same alphabet mm-hmm. or, or similar alphabet, then you were there for nine weeks and then they moved down to six weeks. Mm-hmm. So that actually means you and I were in the MTC together. Really? Yeah. Oh, hey. Because I, I came into the MTC the day Dallin left the MTC. So you would have still been there. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. And where did you that's serve funny. again? In Alabama. So I was there that's for right. a measly two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so I came and left before you left, probably. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. That's. Funny. I was actually just in Alabama. What, what, oh, which part of Alabama? Um, it's the Birmingham mission, but it covers oh, yeah. cool. pretty much the whole state, and awesome. then it covers yeah, I, the northern half of Mississippi too. So. I was just in Birmingham on Friday. Oh, wow. Did you do you know the Millingtons, perchance? No, I didn't serve in Birmingham. Like okay. directly ever. I served the closest I served was Bessemer, which is like a like a outer area of Birmingham. It's kind of the ghetto of Birmingham, actually. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the closest I ever got to Birmingham. Oh, yeah. I, I was very impressed by how pretty it is. Every time I go over to Alabama, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is a really pretty place. I grew up with a deep, like inherent loathing of Alabama because of football. Oh, really? And it was wholly because of football. Like, I had so no... Were you an Auburn fan? No, Sorry. I was. I grew up not even an LSU <laughs> fan. Because I, I grew up in Louisiana. Okay. Uh, so yeah. I, I grew up not not even really LSU fan. I grew up a BYU fan. Yeah. But I just yeah. didn't like all of the Bama fans in Louisiana. something else. They They really are something else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because their team's so freaking good. They are uh, good. <laughs> but every time I, I go over to Alabama, I'm like, oh, you know what? This place is actually gorgeous. It has gorgeous beaches and it has really pretty, like a lot of Alabama is really pretty. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the prettiest parts of of Louisiana and Mississippi are found like in most of Alabama, at least what I saw. Mm-hmm. 
So for those yeah. of you who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, this is a very common occurrence in the church when you like find that you have some tiny connection and then you, <laughs> so you try and figure out like... <laughs> Like, find some friend in common because yeah. of missions or because of that kind of stuff. Missions, yeah. It's a small world in the church, it really is. Yes. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, let's jump into... What we're actually talking yeah. about. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about... I mean, you already mentioned that you have a disease. So, let's just start there. So, what is it and how did you figure it out? So, um, I got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in January of 2020. So, that made 2020 even a more exciting year. Mm. <laughs> um, but multiple sclerosis, it's an autoimmune disease. Um, it's It falls into two categories. It's an autoimmune disease and it's a, um, a neurological disease. So, um, what it you, you see a neurologist, that's the kind of doctor that treats... Um, multiple sclerosis, someone who studies the brain and the spine and um, the nerves, because that's where MS occurs. Um, So what it is, is basically for some reason, your white blood cells that fight diseases decide that your brain and your spine are a disease and um, start sending white blood cells to attack um, areas of your brain and your spine. Um, so what you, what happens with MS is that the white blood cells will come in and attack some random part of your brain. And if that's the part of your brain that controls balance, then you won't be balanced that day or, you know, forever, just depending on how hard the attack is, or if they attack some part of your spine that controls the feeling in your left hand, your left hand will be numb or tingly. So, um, MS has pretty much an infinite amount of symptoms that can happen um, just depending, and it's totally random. Um, so I was diagnosed with MS because, or my, my first initial symptom was that the entire left side of my body went numb um, just randomly one day. It was the day after Thanksgiving last year, and, or in 2019, and all of a sudden my foot was numb, then my leg was numb, then my stomach was numb all the way up the whole left side of my body. And um, we went to the emergency room. They thought, you know, this is one of three things. It's either a stroke, a tumor, or MS. And we went through that grueling process of figuring out what it was. And it was a really terrifying experience. But um, I guess I got the best of the three. So <laughs> the most, the most survivable of the three. So I, I was really grateful for that. So, yeah. that's Wow. Great. So had you had any, any experiences with this before, or was this just super random for you? Yeah, no, like- um, um, I have, um, Hashimoto's, which is another autoimmune disease, um, it's a pretty common one. Just low thyroid is basically what it is. And so okay. they say if you have one autoimmune disease, you can be prone to getting another. But MS is still pretty rare. There's about 2 million cases in the U.S., um, which is a pretty small amount compared to oh. other, other, other diseases and medical problems and stuff. So it's okay. a pretty rare thing. And I, uh, so I'm not super familiar with like the, the statistics behind MS, but is it common for it to occur in someone so young? Oh, I was just going to ask that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think when you think of people with MS, you typically think of um, the elderly or mm-hmm. older people. And um, actually, the the highest group of diagnoses for MS are um, petite, blonde-haired, like fair-skinned women in their 20s. That is wow. the top, like the most people who get diagnosed with MS, and I kind of just fit. <laughs> yeah, oh. so, oh my um, gosh. I yeah, wonder my, it, yeah. really the blonde too that's like yeah like being like a interesting Caucasian, basically the Aryan race like <laughs> that's what yeah. my doctor said he's like yeah if you're like Scandinavian looking you know light haired light skinned that's just statistic they don't know why yeah um, just when they run the statistics that's the highest group of people who get diagnosed with well, and it so, is and I, I don't know if this is true at all, but like, at least from my perception, I don't know if I know any men that have MS. Is it primarily women or is it equally spread between um, the sexes? There's more women than men, but there are still, I mean, there it's still pretty half and half. Um, in fact, my our uncle has MS. Um, that was my first exposure to it, which is hmm. so weird and kind of happened since that summer in 2019. I actually went and did like a race for him our whole family went and did the like the the walk ms um mm-hmm. like walk race thing that they do every year in salt lake city and um then that fall i you know started having my own ms symptoms so it's kind of like bizarre and strange but yeah wow yeah. so what are the treat like what's the plan what's the treatments or i know you have um like you have to go and get like some sort of treatment done every once in a while. What is that? Yeah. So, um, MS has quite a few different treatments and I think part of the reason why we typically think old people have MS is because unfortunately it's a disease you have to fight really heavily at the beginning. And, um, the treatments have improved so much in the last 10 years that I think unfortunately those who got MS, um, longer ago, those are the people who now you see having like a more severe lifestyle because of it, because the the treatments weren't as good back then, but Mm -hmm. now there's quite a few really, really good treatments. Um, I'm on probably the best treatment that's out there right now. And, um, that's, it's called Tysabri. It's given to me through an IV every four weeks. And essentially what it does is it builds a barrier around my brain and spine so that the white blood cells can't attack. Um, and But there are other treatments that like either lower your white blood cell count so that you have less attacks. Um, and then a lot of people do pretty extreme treatments to try and help like go through chemotherapy or um, blood transfusions to try and trick their immune systems into not attacking their brain and spine anymore. But there isn't a cure for MS yet. So basically these are all (laughs) band-aids that just prolong the disease from progressing. And as it is right now, I will likely have, you know, disabilities later on in my life. Um, but we're hoping that, you know, they're really close to finding a cure and you just try and stay hopeful that, you know, treatments get better every single year and they come up out with new things all the time. So I feel really positive about 
the rest of the outlook on my life. And I feel really fortunate about that. Mm-hmm. So since your like first episode in November of 2019, um, did you have anything after that or were they like, okay, this is MS and then like, that's it. That yeah. Yeah. It, it's an ever, it's an ever attacking disease. Um, so like, um, the treatment I'm on is kind of a bandaid. It's kind of protecting my brain and spine, but that doesn't mean that the white blood cells aren't still attacking. Mm-hmm. So occasionally they get through and I do have MS flare ups and attacks and, um, that, can range from anything personally what I've experienced is like a lot of vertigo um memory loss um eyesight issues um numbness and tingliness all over because you know that's your nerves that control that Mm -hmm. extremely cold or extremely hot um I have a friend who couldn't speak um during a MS attack because it attacked her that you know the nerves that can, or the nerves in her brain that control speech. So it really can attack anything. I've been pretty fortunate to ha- not have anything like too severe. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst I had was like, I couldn't move my arm for a little while last year. And um, that was scary, but they, mm-hmm. they have ways to try and if you, if you catch it right early on, you can go and do like steroid treatments and different things to help. And those have fortunately always worked really well for me so far. That's good. Um, I remember at one point you said that you, for some reason, like MS symptoms don't affect pregnant women. Mm -hmm. So do you know why? Like, and then what was that like being pregnant? Was it I like, woo, like it, I'm free kind of a thing? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a bittersweet experience, actually. And it has been a bittersweet experience having my baby because it's kind of like I had nine months to feel like myself again. And um, now kind of transitioning back into having a mess, it kind of feels like I got diagnosed all over again. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it is. Your body um, is just amazing. Again, more evidence of Heavenly Father and just his perfect design of our bodies. But that when you have a baby, you know, your body goes into kind of like protection mode and your white blood cells chill out and they don't attack. And um, because they're they're trained not to attack a fetus. And so they don't they aren't they aren't on attack mode. And it's kind of amazing. I, I had no MS symptoms amazing. during my nine months of pregnancy. So. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> what a miracle. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, um, when we found out about this, we were super sad. And we, like, our hearts were like really aching for, for you and Dallin because we know how, how awesome you guys were um, mm-hmm. and all the great things you do with the podcast and with your community and all of the ways that you're trying so hard to give back to the, to the community that you've built and the community you find yourself in, like all, all the communities you uh, find yourself participating in. Did you ever feel like, Hey, I'm trying to do so many good things. Why is this bad thing happening to me? Oh yeah, totally. I think that's a human emotion. That's, um, hard to admit sometimes, but I've tried Mm -hmm. to, especially over the past year, just kind of face these emotions head on. And, um, it has been an extremely challenging year. And I think it's, very natural to ask the question why and it's it had there have been some really vulnerable moments for me with god where i said i i feel like i've done the right things you know i feel like i 
was faithful and I went on my mission and I served you and I've done all, you know, I've done everything you've asked me to do. And I, I keep my promises to you. I keep my covenants or promises and I don't know why this is happening. And it has been a, a huge learning experience to understand that this was a part of my plan from the start. This is something I've agreed to before I came to earth. And I have of the belief that we lived before we came to earth and that we knew what we would go through and we knew what we would experience. And this was a part of what I agreed to. And um, it's kind of amazing how when I accepted that, I started to understand and see opportunities to serve at a greater capacity right. um, and have a greater understanding for those that I was serving through going. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Can I ask you a question, like a follow-up question to that? Mm-hmm. Um, how does uh, knowledge of like our pre-mortal existence help you find peace with, like with that, with the situation or like trials in general, but this one specific or in particular? Um, it's kind of been my source of peace actually <laughs> is this, this belief that we, we lived before we came and that we knew what we would experience when we came to earth, that these things, although it kind of felt like a blind side to me, I've held on to my belief that it's really not a blind side to my spirit and that I've been, because of that, I've been prepared for this and that I, with turning to Heavenly Father can make it through and He'll inspire me with the ways that I can help my body and the ways that I can fight this disease because I feel like um, accepting that He had this in my plan allows Him to be my teammate and allows Him to kind of give me, you know, the play-by-plays and the advice that I need in order to combat this. Yeah, that's awesome. But what, I really, what I really love about what you're saying is I think it's really common for us to think something along the lines of, oh, like Christ knew this was going to happen, right? Um, I think it's it's an even cooler thought to think that, hey, I knew that this was going to happen. And so spiritually, before I came here, I prepared for this big trial. Right. And it's like, I, it's not only that God has done something to prepare me without me knowing, like I had made choices before I came here to prepare me spiritually and to um, yeah, prepare me to, to deal with this, but also like I'm trusting Heavenly Father along the path here on earth. So I've been prepared here as well for this. Yeah. And so like your, your own volition kind of comes into it. And it's mm-hmm. not just God like happening to prepare you, but it's you having actively prepared and actually taken a role in your, in your development, which I like a lot. Yeah. yeah and I, always like comfort myself when I have like a trial or something hard in my life by saying that like this was no surprise to heavenly father but really like I love what you said that like this is no surprise to my spirit like my spirit knew that this was going to happen and it's ready but my body has to be like my mind and my body have to be like ready and Mm -hmm. willing to be on the team you know and I like that that you said that like we could naturally say like why why are you doing this to me why are you like fighting against me in my life right now but we could instead like unite with him and be on be on the same team and that can only be good for us so yeah like that something i've thought about a lot just one next one little thought is like i do think about christ a lot because um he knew that 
the atonement was going to be really hard and that he had to go through it and that was a part of the plan. And because of that, he was glad to go through it. And I think that that's been a big source of my peace, not comparing myself to Christ, but just saying this was a part of my plan. It's ultimately going to make me who I'm supposed to be at the end of my life and it ultimately make my life what Heavenly Father intended for it to be. So I can be grateful for it and embrace it and say like, okay, this is, I'm I'm glad this is happening because it's progressing me on the plan that yeah. he has yeah. for me. It does make think, me wonder like what, how much of the plan, like the plan for our lives did we know in the pre-mortal world? Yeah, I don't know. Like, and, and unfortunately there's not a lot <laughs> revealed about this, but from my personal experience, and I think from the personal experiences of a lot of people, and it sounds like of you as well, it seems like we had a, at least a, a pretty good overview of what our life w- was going to look like if we chose to follow the Savior. Um, maybe. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I, yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do believe that. I, and, I, and I think maybe it's different for everybody. And yeah, I think likely. sometimes Emily Fowler needed to prepare each of us differently for whatever reason. I, the, mm-hmm. the answer that's come to me over and over is that I was totally prepared for this. But yeah. I, I, I do think that there are things on earth that happen that are just because of our agency and necessar- not necessarily Heavenly Fowler didn't have it as part of our plan. But yeah. I, I am of the belief that certain things very much are. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how has this diagnosis and like the symptoms and everything? How has it affected your outlook on motherhood? Um, that is a really good question, and I um, actually, it's kind of totally shifted <laughs> my motherhood. Um, something that I went through was this really grueling process of figuring out that I had MS, which involved a long hospital stay, lots of um, MRIs and testing and um, really uncomfortable, kind of scary, lonesome experiences that I had to go mm-hmm. through. And that December of 2019, when I was getting going through all that was really the hardest time of my whole life. And um, I just remember sitting there in the hospital room all by myself and my babies were all at home with their dad and I was miserable and I was so sad. And I just remember just everything changed right there for me. Motherhood became my, I mean, it already was my most important thing, but it was almost like up until then, I still had these thoughts that would come in all the time of comparison or I'm not doing enough or what else could I be doing? Or, um, you know, do I need this other career, this other thing in order to be worthwhile or be worth something? But when I was just alone, that's all I wanted was to be home and to be raising my kids and missing that one week of their life, being in the hospital and feeling like I had no access to them was the hardest, hardest thing. And I just came out of that experience with like the biggest like gung-ho I'm just gonna be the best mom I can possibly be and I'm just not gonna worry about anything else because I learned what it's like to be kept from being a mom and it sucked and it was horrible and it made me so sad and so really what this has done for me is like 
it makes life, every moment of my life with my kids feels so precious. And I don't take a single moment for granted because I know at any moment I could end up in the hospital or I could be taken away from them again. And really we should all live that way because at any moment that any of us could could be taken from this life. And I, I know that's kind of a gloomy outlook, but this is kind of what I guess a big diagnosis does to a person. But like, but the gloomy outlook has made me so much more appreciative of that time mm-hmm. I have with my kids. And I wish I could kind of, I wish I could give that feeling to every mom who feels like motherhood isn't enough or that she needs to be doing something else or that if she enjoys being a mom that she's, she's copping out in some way and the world leads us to believe that. But I wish I could just give this feeling to every mom and just say like, if you had to be away from being a mom and you didn't want to, like you would appreciate every second of this and not wish for anything else. Yeah. So I think frequently when we have these really powerful experiences, um, whether they are negative experiences or negative experiences that bring about positive reactions <laughs> like yours, mm-hmm. uh, or just really powerful spiritual experiences that motivate us to to tr- to change and become better, um, it can be easy to get excited and really motivated in the moment or immediately afterwards. But then it's I think it's very common for those like feelings of excitement or determination to kind of fade over time. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to keep up that, that commitment or that fire for that, mm-hmm. those principles that you've been talking about? I think something I have, I guess, going against me, but also going for me is that I have constant reminders of my disease every single day. <laughs> I don't live with no symptoms. And so um, those little those little weird symptoms that I have constantly, like right now, my shoulder is cold. It's weird. I can't describe it, but it feels like I have like an ice pack on my shoulder. There's just little (laughs) things like that all the time with MS that are constantly reminding me how fragile my body is and how fragile this life is and how um, grateful I should be in these moments. Um, It's also connected me with a lot of other medically complex people um, whether that be cancer or MS or my or fibromyalgia or these other diseases that are really life altering, and being in connection with people who have it even worse than me, caught like, and watching some people lose their life and things like it's just I kind of have this constant reminder, and I um, I'm also just an anxious person, so I <laughs> I'm always <laughs> holding on to that, but. Um, I think it takes every it, daily effort to remember and think back on the experiences and think back on how important every moment of our life is. I don't know if that answered mm-hmm. your question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I have a question that I haven't prepared you for. So if, if you don't want to answer, it's okay. But have you ever felt like angry at your body mm-hmm. because of this? Or, I mean, because it seems like you're just so grateful and so, like, <laughs> thankful for your body. But, like, I, I mean, putting myself in your shoes, I would probably have gone through some anger mm-hmm. um, yeah. at my own body for it. But. For sure. Um, for sure. And I have written a little bit about this online. But probably the main emotion I went through for that first year was rage. And it was mm-hmm. really hard for me to admit that that's what I was going through and that I was genuinely feeling 
a lot of anger because I'm not an angry person. I've never in my life been an angry person. I've either been like a happy person or a sad person, but not really a mad person. And really that first year was just a ton of rage. Like I would just feel so mad at my foot for being numb or whatever. And I, and I did, I just felt so mad at my body. Um, and I had lots of moments of feeling gratitude that I was here and gratitude that my body could, could do things like hike and take my kids swimming and, you know, all these things. And I would feel that gratitude. Um, but I was experiencing a lot of rage and I, I wrote a little something about this online, but the, the main thing that helped me overcome that rage was actually getting pregnant again, because I felt that, um, intense, intense gratitude and love for the for what my body could do again and the gift that my body was giving to me and the gifts my body has given to me and my pregnancy this pregnancy I just went through was hugely healing for me I had a lot more rage (laughs) before I went through that and now I feel that gratitude for the good things that my body does that's amazing but what I love about your stories that I mean, I love a lot of things about your story, but it kind of goes in line with something that Emily and I have been talking about lately about how like our society seems to be so built around like disconnecting us from like basic reality. Mm -hmm. Like, like um, we're so disconnected from the way that our food is prepared or like from killing of animals or growing things or Mm -hmm. life and death and childbearing and like so many of the aspects of kind of like physical reality. And I would say spiritual reality as well, because I think those things are, are very interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, our society is just so focused on things like focusing on entertainment mm-hmm. or on work that isn't connected with physical reality. Yeah. Like there are so many like, like software companies and cloud companies and like, like all of these things that are, are real obviously, but they're not kind of connected to like our most basic physical reality. Totally. Um, and it's interesting that like when, no matter what it is, I find that if we can connect to that more basic physical reality, um, and again, spiritual reality, it, we feel more closely connected to God and to ourselves. Right. And so like when we are diagnosed with, with a disease or when we are able to uh, bring a a life into the world or when we're faced with death or whatever it is that kind of like engaging with the kind of harsh and beautiful realities of our physical world Mm-hmm. like like helps us kind of get to another spiritual level totally totally i totally agree it's funny i inter- i recently watched wally have you guys watched wally yes yeah. i doesn't like wally i don't i love wally <laughs> maybe i will after you say what you have to say about it <laughs> my boys really like wally they like robots they like space mm-hmm. so we re- we watched wally recently and i sat down and watched it with them and i was so touched by one part of it that i'd never been touched by before and it's this part where you know there's all these like fat blobs of people and they're riding around on their scooters and they're kind of connected into their screens constantly and they talk to each other through their screens and 
while it causes like a disruption in all the people and one of them ends up falling out of his chair and like his screen is removed from his face and he actually looks around and like looks at his world for the first time and then from there that character kind of goes through this journey of discovering what the actual world is around him and he learns how to like care about other people and you know the movie I really felt was about that guy who I can't remember his name but he falls out of his chair and then he helps Wally kind of save the world and stuff but that part just touched me so deeply and it's interesting this movie came out so long ago before smartphones were as as involved as they are now but I really do think sometimes we have to kind of get kicked out of our comfy seat like we have to get kicked out of that comfortability of just sitting and numbing our minds constantly with social media and Netflix and whatever else and we have to kind of go through like an earth shattering experience sometimes to kick us out and realize like oh my gosh this life is so fragile the people around me mean so much to me and I'm wasting my time. Like I'm wasting so much time with this. And if I just put it away, I can connect with God. I can connect with my family so much better. And I wish, I hope more people don't have to go through something really horrible to kick them out of that. I hope we can hear other people's experiences and not everyone has to, but yeah. Well, I think it also goes back to this idea of risk mitigation. And by that, I mean, Again, going back, to, I think going back to how our society is structured. I think so much, so much of it is structured in a way to like mitigate risk. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to be exposed to risk. We don't want to be exposed to discomfort. We don't want to be exposed to hardship. Mm-hmm. And so we we outsource as much of the discomfort and unpleasantness of life as possible. Yeah. And we try and we choose forms of entertainment for the most part that minimize our risk and minimize our um, exposure to negative emotion and to like to, to, to feelings of rejection or hardship or sadness. Um, and the farther, the more we mitigate risk, the less we're, we're able to really grow. And so I think in some way, like turning off the phones, like, and being really connected to people around us um, introduces risk again because then you have the risk of people hurting you or Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people rejecting your efforts. And so you have to, um, yeah, you have to decide that you're willing to accept the risk that comes with reality. Mm -hmm. Totally. Real connection is risky business, (laughs) (laughs) but it's worth it. It's worth it. Interesting. So I know we've touched on this kind of throughout, but is there anything else you want to add to like how this has all impacted your relationship with your heavenly parents or Jesus Christ? Yeah. Um, a couple things that I wrote down, depending on, is there time for me to share one more? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, this experience has been, really, really important for me with connecting with Jesus Christ and with my heavenly parents. Um, in 2020, you know, it was the pandemic and temples were closed where we go to worship and where I used to go, I used to go to the temple once a week to worship and, um, that was closed. And that was also the year that I was coming to terms with my diagnosis. And so it made it really hard. And so, gyms were closed. Um, yoga studios were closed. Those were things that had 
for that, you know, that first month of January had really helped me was doing yoga, um, going to the gym, going to the temple. That had been kind of my coping mechanism. And suddenly all of that was stripped from me. And I felt like I was going through this really low life crisis and I didn't have those things to help me manage my disease and my diagnosis. And so kind of my way of coping with both the physical and emotional healing that I needed to go through, I guess, was to hike. And so that whole summer of 2020, I went hiking and whether I took my kids or went by myself, I went hiking almost every day. And hiking was um, physically really good for my body because um, movement and heat are two things that really help with MS symptoms. And it was hot and I was hiking and I was sweating and um, I would get like a numb foot and then I'd go for a hike and it would be better. So that was physically a good way to cope. But what I didn't realize until till later was how much um, that was helping me spiritually. And I had really, really special experiences, especially by myself, um, hiking and feeling mad and angry at my body as I was climbing a mountain and my foot is numb or my back feels weird or I'm dizzy or whatever the symptom was that I was trying to cure. And I would hike these mountains and I'd spend time in nature. And um, I came so close to my heavenly parents through that experience of grieving my diagnosis and um, kind of doing like Jesus did and going to to the, the mountains and kind of retreating into the wilderness in order to connect with them. And I really came out of that that summer with a deep, deep knowledge of both of my heavenly parents individually and a connection with both of them. And um, I wouldn't have had that without my disease and without the need to cope with my disease and the need to go out and really seek them in nature. Um, and I, to this day, I'm just so grateful that I went through that. And if all I ever get from this disease is that one summer of like really coming to know my heavenly parents and really appreciating the world they created for me and seeing what they could do to heal my body through through them and through nature and through those types of things. Um, I don't know. It, it changed my whole life. I really came to not, I like that you asked about heavenly parents because I really came to a specific relationship with, with both of them through that experience. That's really cool. I love nature. And I mean, we love nature as a family, as a couple, um, because of that, like spiritual healing and spiritual power and strength that comes from like being in the world that they created. Um, and going back to what I said earlier, I think connecting yourself to like the hard physical reality, right. Like being in a place where that hasn't, that doesn't have all of the, the bumps and cracks covered over being in a place where you have to like climb up rocks to get to where you need to go or being in those, those kinds of places where you kind of have to like reconnect with the physical reality around you on top of, um, dealing with mental or physical or spiritual hardships, Mm -hmm. I think provides an awesome opportunity to, to come closer to the Lord. And I feel like we had, we didn't have any medical issues come up last year besides you being pregnant. That's not really an issue, but, um, 
like and well, I felt the same like with the pandemic yeah. and everything and ev- everything was closed like we took to hiking too and it was very healing we loved it yeah i mean especially with the temple closed i remember that being so hard like yeah we would go to the temple grounds and i would just like want to weep at the gate i was like i just want to go in mm-hmm. and just sit inside like i don't have to do anything so let me just be in there mm-hmm. um but I, I remember that being so hard and we had a, a similar experience and it's just so interesting how how much our our heavenly father loves us and how he prepares um he prepares refuges is that a word refuges refuge refuge the plural mm-hmm. refuges refuges right refuges <laughs> sounds weird but i think it, i think in right. the storm like in every storm there's like a place that we can find peace and we can find like meaning in the midst of the storm and it's not like the storm goes away but it's like the first there's like a place at the center that he carves out for us and if we can just find it it makes it all worthwhile Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i 100 percent agree i think whether that's and i think it's fun that they do mention them in the scriptures a lot but some of the places that i found refuge and i know a lot of other people and moms find refuge like the closet you know they mention that in the scriptures to go to your closet and commune with your heavenly father and um they talk about going to the wilderness and going to the mountains and it's just those things are eternal like we still have closets we still (laughs) we still have mountains and i think um, the having the temples be closed was actually faith building because I learned like, oh, hey, um, God can come to me if I invite him and he can come anywhere to me if I, if I'm open to inviting him to that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. So one thing that we like to ask our guests lately is how are you making your home an outpost of heaven? And I didn't prepare you for that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, I I love your guys' thing with an outpost of heaven. I That's something Dallin and I talk about a whole lot is how we want our house to be, like you said, a refuge um, from the world. I think there are a few things we do intentionally that, that do that. One thing that we was kind of a leap of faith we did a while ago was get rid of our TV. So we, um, we do have a TV right now in our master bedroom that we put up when I had the baby so that when I was on bed rest, I could do something like I could watch movies and stuff. But uh, something that we did was, I guess, um, to be more specific, we, we, we wanted to eliminate noise. We wanted to eliminate, um, busy noise that could interrupt, um, the feeling of heaven in our home and the sound of the spirit trying to talk to us and our kids. And we talked about ways we could eliminate that noise. And it's been a leap of faith to do certain things like to not have a, I mean, TV in our home and to, to, you know, there's a lot of different things that we've done as far as not having distractions playing during the day, not checking social media when our kids are around us and things like that. But I would say the biggest way that I have felt heaven in our home um, that I can say specifically is just eliminating the noise of the world. And I think that's so hard, but when you do it and you feel that like total quiet and peace and serenity that can come from just like having it be calm and letting the world kind of be away um that has just changed everything for us and for our kids they're happier they're they're 
so much more at peace when they don't have so much noise going on. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. That's very brave to take the TV out. I feel like for me anyways, that would be very like very difficult. Well, and you know, like again, I have to disclose like hard seasons, you need it. Right now is a hard season for us and we watch movies and um, mm-hmm. we're, we try to just be really intentional about when we watch things. But yeah, um, we did, you know, about a year there with no TV and it was amazing. And I'm excited once I, I'm like recovered and stuff to do it again. So mm-hmm. Wow. Well, good for you guys. Um, thank you so much for everything that you've shared. I've loved it and I've felt really uplifted and inspired by you and by your story and your faith. So thank you, Marin. Oh, thank you for having me. You guys are is- so, oh. so awesome. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I, I think I, again, so I'm so grateful that you've decided to to be so open about sharing your experiences, not just here with us today, which I'm especially grateful for, but on your platforms uh, all over the place. Uh, like you are trying to help people come closer to Christ. And, and what's the phrase you always say on the podcast? The like you're trying to help the moms who are in the trenches of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I love that. And I love that you're, you are so committed to that community, I guess, to your, your community. And, and I, I'm just really grateful that there are, uh, there are a lot of people who are trying to put out Christ centered vibes, right? <laughs> like I f- it feels like there are so many people who are um, not going that route or mm-hmm. who are doing it or who are talking about the gospel with a lot of caveats Mm-hmm. Um, or a lot of like, or apologizing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot yeah. apologizing a lot of uh, teachings of men or philosophies of men mingled with scripture type things floating around. And, and I appreciate um, your guys' voice because I think it it it's definitely not one of those. And it's always heartening to see like people trying to to put out that really good content and fighting the good fight. Um, so speaking of which, where can all of our listeners find you? And find your amazing voice. Well, thank you, first of all. Thanks for saying that. I think I, that's exactly how I feel about you guys. I I have told Emily this. I think we need more more warriors for Jesus Christ. Agreed. And I think that that I feel honored to be trying my best to do that. And obviously, I, I, I'm not perfect at all for being an example to Christ. But um, I appreciate that about you guys as well, that you're doing that. Um, you can find me personally on Instagram at just my first and last name, Marin Drew Bay. Um, and the Mamahood, which is, you know, it's a community for moms, as we say in the trenches, going through these these ups and downs and the wonderful and the hard of motherhood. Um, we have a podcast that's everywhere you get your podcasts. It's called the Mamahood Podcast. So um, you can just search it on any podcast app. And then we're on Instagram at the dot mamahood and we're on Facebook at the Mamahood Community. Awesome. Great, yeah, and, and I'll put all those links in the show notes. And Emily is one of probably your most diehard fans. Yeah, I love <laughs> listening to the podcast. Yeah, we, we, I, I feel bad because we. Comes out, I'm like, ah, it's a new <laughs> <laughs> we have taken taken a little break with everything, but, yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, it's it makes but, sense, and it's rooted of you to do that. So you're good yeah. you have to set boundaries you know but yep. actually we will have i mean this will be out in january so 
what I'm saying won't matter anyway. But we are starting back up next week with our podcast. So awesome. Okay. Content for people to listen to. Sweet. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marin. All right, guys. We love you. Keep the faith. Bye.